Bro, I've been contractually obligated to read this statement, bro. The following podcast contains opinions that are not shared by the Zonecast Entertainment or Ozone Entertainment. Also, this podcast is meant for entertainment purposes and none of the arguments should be taken seriously, bro. However, these takes are very real because, bro, I am a monster, bro. This week on the Takes Bakery. Wait, what the fuck? The Takes Bakery? It doesn't matter. Look, we're bringing this show back out of retirement because somehow, some way, we have found what may be Oscar's worst take of all time. And we're going to get into this Christmas miracle when we get to the root of the fact that not only does Oscar think that Vince Russo is a genius, he also thinks that Bash of the Beach 2000 is a masterpiece. What? We'll figure this out tonight on The Takes Bakery. It is Monday, December 23rd, 2019, and welcome to the Tanks Bakery. It's Owen's personal hell, except he killed it. But we brought it back for some reason. You know, because it's Christmas. And what better way to celebrate the miracle of the holidays than by treasuring up every terrible thing that we hate and makes us sad throughout the year, like this podcast, apparently. I mean, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. Whenever I'm not screaming at the top of my lungs, which in fairness, I guess is a thing that happens a lot because I'm your interim host, John Gabrowski Maxwell, the guy who yells. And of course, joining me as always, we have the master takes Baker himself, Oscar Bernard. Hey, John, how's it going? I mean, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm amazed that we're allowed to come back after you, you know, said that one thing. Owen, Owen's doing Christmas shit. He doesn't know this is happening. That's true. I mean, he doesn't really know exactly what we do on, on like, Wednesdays anyway. So, like, this is basically another Wednesday. It's it's a Christmas Wednesday. Yeah. But not on, the actual on, Christmas on Wednesday. This is going up on a Monday, right? Yes, this is going up on a Monday. <laughs> I mean, what's Monday if not Christmas Wednesday? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's <clears throat> Wednesday if not Christmas Wednesday, especially because Wednesday is Christmas? God, Wednesday's Christmas. Fuck. Yeah. This this month has gone by. Yeah. It's weird and fucked up because I feel like this year like was a little bit slow for some of it, but this month definitely. Nope, didn't get to really experience it at all. Granted, also part of that is that, you know, I also don't really remember this month because like so many fucking podcasts have happened that, like, I actually don't know what my life is anymore. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like we've done, what, three a week this month? Yeah. If I'm, not more. This is our fourth. This is my fifth this week. God. Like, I am... Hey, John, we have one more record... We have two more recording sessions left this year. We sure do. Oh, my God. We're going to die. We're, actually, I'm just going to throw it out there, dear listener. We might actually be in hell right now, which is why we're doing the Taste Bakery. Yeah, no, it's thematically appropriate. Um, Oscar. John? Why have we brought the Taste Bakery back from the dead like the baby Jesus whose birth we are celebrating on this 
on this day, this Christmas Wednesday on a Monday. I don't think the baby Jesus came back from the dead. Who's the adult Jesus? Here's the thing. When, when, I, was, when I was a small child, my grandma was explaining the story of Easter to me. And I did not understand. And I was really upset and cried a lot because I, I kept crying to my mom. Who killed the baby Jesus? Speaking, though, of things that have been killed. There's a man that often gets a lot of flack for killing WCW. Who's that, Oscar? I mean, uh, the, that could be a lot of people. There's Hulk Hogan. Is there well, a Bischoff? Well, Kevin Nash. I mean, I mean, that's kind of my point. It's like people seem to just universally say Vince Russo is the guy that killed WCW. And that's not fucking true. Like, I mean, people don't like Vince Russo. It's true. I And I think Vince Russo gets a really bad rap. Well, I don't know about that one. Vince Russo in WCW, honestly, if, like, one... Full fucks to him for successfully writing around the creative control stuff and coming up with a really good angle out of it that if it wasn't for Hogan's ego. You mean the really good angle being just having creative control be a legitimate thing that we discussed on the show? <laughs> hey, I will not hear slander on the tag team creative control. It's a really good rib, guys. Love it when you do this backstage shit. I mean, <laughs> so I feel like we should just get into the take. Like, and let's let's start with the backstage shit because I kind of like the backstage stuff. So, what are you defining as the backstage shit? Let's let's say like, let's let's make it clear for for people exactly what you mean by this d- d- horrid and torrid defense of one Vincent Kennedy. Is that his middle name? I don't know what his middle name is. Vince Vincent, Russo. Vincent James Russo. Really? Yeah. Huh. He's got the first two names of, of the father. Yeah. Is that, you know, why, is that why Vince hired him? I mean, Vince actually... I don't think he was ever actually employed by WWF. Vince Russo? Yeah. What are you talking about? He wrote for their magazine, and then he wrote for the show. He was a freelance writer for the magazine. Huh. And he was a freelance writer for the magazine, and the entire time he wrote for the show, he never had a contract. That's why he was able to leave for WCW, like, right away. Huh. Yeah, he straight up never had a contract with WWF. That's really weird. But also, maybe that's for the best. As far as, like, the backstage shit. I'm talking about the fourth wall leans that we still kind of see in wrestling to this day to mixed effect. Oscar. John. Defend for me. Goldberg's not Goldberg's going against the script. I'm not going to defend that for you. I wasn't the ending. Goldberg's going against the script. I'm not, I'm not saying that everything Russo did was good. Cause it kind of sounds like that's what you're saying. No, I'm saying Russo's a genius. How are these not the same thing? One, by the time of the fucking New Blood Rising pay-per-view, Russo had already been handcuffed of like, oh, we know we hired you on to WCW, but the people at Turner are thinking 
hey, maybe we don't actually want to do Attitude Era stuff, so we're going to bring Eric Bischoff in to, like, rein you in. And Vince Russo and Vince McMahon worked really well together because I think they managed to filter out each other's respective insanity. Because they're both fucking monsters. Yeah, we know. But, like, monsters that worked really well together. Even Satan needs a friend, I guess. Russo and Eric Bischoff was more of a partnership of, like, Russo would do something, and then and then it would be bad, and then Bischoff would be like, yo, why'd you do that? And But, like, not actually give input in, and it really feels like the whole time, like, they were just out to fucking get Vince Russo. They realized they were gonna... They realized they could scapegoat Vince Russo. But I feel like... I feel like he had a lot... One... Yo, the ratings stayed stable while Vince Russo was in charge of WCW and fell when he wasn't. Vacating all the titles. I know people make a lot of fun of that, but sure, whatever. That's not the worst idea in the world. A genuine... I honestly don't think it is either. I think it's more just like the timing of it was bad. Yeah, and I mean, I think Vince Russo had the right idea with WCW. Like, he was he was ready to make people like Booker T, Chris Benoit, um, Jeff Jarrett. Um, he made a lot of he he realized the value of younger of younger people and realized we can't just have the main event be Hogan Nash Hall all the time. Like, you know, this is fucking. This is getting this is getting old, and you know there's some new blood out there that could that could definitely be used. Are you saying the new blood rises to the top? <laughs> I, I'm not saying the new blood rises to the top. So the problem I have with the statement is that absolutely no, like Russo definitely recognized like the younger talent recognized like there's a lot of like good people here that we should be like really pushing and should be really like caring about and like focusing on. The problem is that like it's all filtered through the lens of a fucking insane person that doesn't like understand shit. Like consider some of this, the great people that Russo like really pushed super hard. Like, say, Jeff Jarrett. Who, I don't think Jeff Jarrett's a bad person to push. I fucking hate Jeff Jarrett. Like, I never liked Jeff Jarrett. Like, I genuinely don't think Jeff Jarrett is the wrong person to push. Because, you know, like, hear me out. Jeff Jarrett goes to WCW in early 99 instead of late 99. With his same philosophy of pushing younger talent. While still keeping, obviously, like, these, like, yeah, you have some establishment adventures in there. When, when Russo was writing for WWF, yeah, he, he made sure that Stone Cold got his, but, you know, also was like, well, we still have The Undertaker here. We're still going to use him. True, but think of some of the great stuff that he did with that. Like, say, Huge Erection. But, I mean, some of the most memorable WWF characters that Russo is responsible for, you can pinpoint of like, huh, look at Val Venus. Yeah, look at Val Venus. But like... Jesus Christ. But like, can you genuinely tell me that Val Venus was not legitimately over and, and a memorable character? 
I can tell you that he was over and memorable by just telling you that they, those were both for the wrong fucking reasons. But I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. You can look at huge erection, but you can also make the argument that, yo, fucking Bill DeMott is not a good enough wrestler to make that work in a way that Sean Morley was able to. Yeah, potentially. Like, like, yeah. It also really didn't help that, like, they had huge erection, like, this guy being named fucking huge erection, and, like, his gimmick is kind of, like, I'm gonna throw it out there, like, his gimmick and, like, those stupid fucking Misfits in Actions gimmick, they were kind of the Gratitude Era. God damn it. They were kind of military Gratitude Era, don't at me. But, I mean, like, hear me out, hear me out, though, um... Bischoff, he was very adamant of, like, no, Hogan, but back to the red and yellow. Like, that's what they tried with Hogan. And that's what Bischoff wanted. Please, the Millionaire's Club. But that, I'm, I'm talking about backstage what Bischoff would have, like, Bischoff was really still... Yeah, but like, I want to call him the Millionaire's Club. All right, we'll call him. <laughs> but, like, look at the it's talent. Great, like, it's a great name, you have to admit. Russo's philosophy of booking younger talent, hear me out. He goes to WCW early 99 instead of late 99. You now have, you potentially have a main event scene of Booker T, Scott Steiner, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, DDP, Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Sting. And yeah, still you have the tail end of like Hogan and Flair's career. Is that not a great fucking wrestling show? Let's talk about David Flair. Let's talk about David Flair. I think David Flair was used fucking perfectly for what... I think Russo is like, David Flair can't wrestle for shit. Let's just have him be fucking Stacey Keebler's dumb deer-in-the-headlights man toy. Not gonna lie, it was kind of okay. It's certainly a better fucking use of David Flair than what WWE did with him. Yeah, although, let's be honest about what the best use of David Flair is. Is it the David Flair Titan Tron? I mean, the David Flair Titantron is okay. I was more going to say the best use of David Flair is not using David Flair. But, yeah, the Titantron's okay. I'll, I'll give you that one. It's, it has a picture of Ric Flair looking disappointed at his son. Hey, it's like Jerry Lawler said on Raw recently. <laughs> Ric Flair is looking down on Charlotte. <laughs> um, but, like, I think, I think Russo understood what he had in David Flair and used David Flair right. Like, he he obviously recognized, yeah, you're a fucking pretty boy charisma vacuum. We're gonna pair you with Stacey Keebler, and she's gonna do the heavy lifting. Is Russo the one that came up with the artist? Uh, was Prince Ikea around? Was that Vince Russo era? I'm gonna look this up. Because fuck that. Fuck Prince Iakea. The only thing good that ever came out of that was that we got the queen. Um, the artist, the artist was pre-Russo. Alright, well I guess I can't blame him for that one. Man, WCW is a bad fucking gimmicks. Yeah, look, a lot of places have some bad fucking... Yeah, but not a lot of places had shit like the Fat Chick Thriller. I mean, and yeah, I'm going to use this as a mark against Vince Russo because that happened during his tenure. 
like, yo, how do you take fucking Mike Awesome and ruin him? The guy is seven feet tall. And he's from the 70s! <laughs> I appreciate that Mike Awesome had two bad gimmicks in WCW. I don't understand why they even made that 70s guy as a gimmick. You already have that 70s guy. It's fucking disco. I thought you were going to say Alex Wright, but then I remember, wait, no, he's very much that 90s guy. Yeah, no, Alex Wright is that penis guy. <laughs> I I want them to do a Triple H showcase mode in one of the 2K games, only so they can include his one Starcade match. Because, sure, okay. Because he wrestled Alex Wright. Fucking terrorizing. Let's go. No, this was Jean-Paul Levesque. Oh, fuck that. I just want Alex Wright in a WWE game. I want Alex Wright in a WWE game. That'd be cool. I own a copy. I bought on iTunes his single Heartbeat Away. He has a single? It was only released on the German version of the WCW album. Sure. All right. Um, We're getting off topic here, though. Like. I'm not saying everything he did was perfect, but I'm saying he definitely understood. And sounds use, like you are. He understood how to use younger talent for the most part. Like the dude was, the dude was behind a guy like Chris Benoit, and yo, fucking that guy. Like, yeah, but also so is like Kevin Sullivan. We all know. Kevin. I mean, Kevin Sullivan literally gave him his fucking wife. Hey, that, that's retcon now. It's Neil DeGrasse. We all know Neil deGrasse Tyson. There's <laughs> 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 theoretical physicists. <laughs> after, after he, <coughs> after he invented the blowflex and started wearing blackface. <laughs> This joke is going to fly over the head of, of all of the listeners of this show. Oh, oh boy. The fact that none of our fucking listener, listener base listens to come down is going to fuck this up, Major. It's probably a good thing that we don't share a listener base with that. Yeah, probably not. I feel like it's all fucking, it's all fucking libertarian assholes. <laughs> Um, but, but in all serious, like, he was, and yeah, Benoit had totally been fucked, fucked over to the point where, yeah, he was gonna fucking leave with the title, which he did, but, yo, that, he could have been, he could have been a big deal in in WCW. He could have. And Vince Russo definitely did see that in him, because look at how far, look at, Look at how hard he fought for him to stay up until the last minute. The dude obviously recognized the talent. Yeah, I'll give him that. Um, and and I really enjoy the and and I know it's dated as hell, but like, yo, the Crash TV style fucking worked. A lot of it doesn't hold up, but you know, I, I remember. It's like it's like someone was talking about Mel Brooks about how his style is just such rapid fire jokes that if a joke is bad you don't have time to register that it was bad before the next one. Yeah, I think that's 
It's a simple, but like I feel that's kind of the. That's uh, we're getting that would be going very off topic, but I don't know. I feel like definitely some later Mel Brooks movies. Fine, the good ones we're talking about here. Is this where I is this where I reveal my ultimate hot take of yo? I think Spaceballs is whack. Spaceball. I don't think Spaceballs is anywhere near the best Mel Brooks movie. People fucking love that movie, and I don't understand it. I mean, Spaceballs does not have a bombastic musical theater number called Springtime for Hitler in it. It does not. It's true. Which is the greatest comedy moment I've ever seen. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. As a fucking theater kid, that resonate, that whole film resonates so hard. If only the musical movie was good. I liked the musical movie, but I was also, like, eight when I saw it. I, I feel like the problem is that, like, you know, I, look, I, I actually, I actually saw that shit on Broadway. So when the movie came out, it was already way after I had seen it. It was like, uh, it's, I didn't like it as much. Yeah, we're getting up. But, like, my point is, though, is that I think... The producers is cool. That's what matters. I think his crash style... I think his Crash TV style kind of has the same effect where it's like, yo, he's just throwing everything at the wall and obviously the good shit of the Attitude Era is the shit that people remember. And I guess it's just my question is like, compare the way that he did Crash TV to something like the way that like ECW did Crash TV where like it had that same like idea of like it's all kinetic it all just feels like shit's happening all the time but it was also like yo these people are fighting and now these other people come out and they're fighting and oh this shit just turned into a match what the fuck like how is it how is the Vince Russo version better so a little spoiler i think for the best of episodes and i think you'll agree with me character works really important for a wrestler I don't know what you're talking about, Oscar. It's not like I've made it very clear for six years on this podcast that, like, character work is, like, something that is very important to me. And, in fact, may be, in fact, the most important thing to me when it comes to deciding a best wrestler of the year, let's say. But, and I think think that's where Vince Russo's Crash TV excels is that, yo, it's all character work. Like, you go back and watch the actual Attitude Era and, like, yo, this wrestling's kind of whack. Yeah, there's, like, act- no actual wrestling on the show. But but it's still, like, the most memorable characters. Hell, it's the, it's the well that WWE still returns to because they have not built characters that good since then. But they do still think that jokes like, I choppy choppy your pee-pee is funny. I, look, I'm not going to say that, yo, why the fuck are you still showing that DX, the DX blackface skit as, like, a great moment this fucking year? <laughs> they still show that thing. This fucking company just doesn't care. But, like... Th- they never learn and they don't care. But, like, you know, what? what's the most iconic feud of the Attitude Era? Arguably the most iconic feud of all time in wrestling. I'd like to hear where you're going with this. Is it Austin McMahon? Oh, I mean, yeah, possibly. And did Austin McMahon produce any great matches? (laughs) Sure did not. But it was a great, it was still arguably 
the most memorable feud of all time in wrestling. And again, another well they keep trying to recapture. That they do. But like, I think, I think Russo, he gets a lot of flack for his philosophy that wrestling is like the least important part of wrestling. But I don't think he's wrong. I think, yeah, wrestling is not, wrestling is the least important part of what a WWF fan wants from wrestling. And it's kind of been that way ever since, like, Hogan and Andre was was touted as, like, the greatest match of all time. And it's like, yeah, if you like ring work, that match fucking sucks, but... Sure does. But, yo, that moment, the build for that match is still fucking great. It's hard. It's definitely a hard balance to, to reach, I think, of, like, you know... Like, even as much as I, I am very much like, yeah, no, characters. Like, that's the important thing. Like, that's the reason I watch wrestling. That's the reason that I'd rather watch wrestling than, like, a real sport. Is like, I want to see these crazy outlandish characters. I want to see, like, these people that have, like, fucking motivation and things like that. It is just a hard line, though, when, yeah, it's like, all the Russo shit is just like, well, if there's not going to be, like, actual wrestling, though, if they're not going to, it's all not going to be building towards, like, they're part of this sports league, then why am I watching a wrestling show? I mean, you still got wrestling. You had, like, Undertaker Kane. Um, all the fucking Mick Foley shit. Like, but that's because there was still Vince McMahon going on here. Let's talk, go back to WCW when he got the book. And there ended up being a lot less wrestling on that show. They had a lot less talent, too. Oh, man. They're fucking... Biggest, one of the biggest tag teams they had was fucking Chronic. Oh, man. They, the perfect event were tag champs. I don't even remember who that was. Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo. <sighs> okay. They were the perfect event because Sean Stasiak feuded with Kurt Henning and stole the Mr. Perfect gimmick. And Chuck Palumbo stole the total package gimmick from Lex Luger. I guess that's something you can do. But, like, these are your top tag teams. It's not like WCW had a solid... uh, Like, yeah, say what you will about the wrestling quality in WWF. They had fucking solid wrestlers still. I've never liked Undertaker in the ring, but he's more solid than fucking the Demon. (laughs) You leave the Kiss Demon alone, damn it. Um... Like, you know, look at fucking Buff Bagwell. What do you do with Buff Bagwell? What do you do with Buff Bagwell? I've wanted um, that for years. And but so so I think he did the best with the roster he had. And again, going back to the David Flair thing we were talking about, realize that you know, their strengths are not wrestling. Where they lost, they lost just before he came. All their good wrestlers when the fucking radicals jumped. The problem, here's where I keep coming back to it, is that, like, it's the thing that I think about of, like, the only way that you can, like, make this show good, the only way that you can make the show seem like a thing that, like, actually had purpose and sense to it is, like, to look at it through the lens of, like, yeah, no, you are right that, like, Vince Russo absolutely understood some characters. Vince Russo absolutely understood, like, how to create characters and how to do compelling characters on television. The problem is that, like, this is not a wrestling show. 
This is a show that's about wrestling, but it's not a show where wrestling actually happens. And then I started to realize, I think, that maybe that's the point. Because who is the main character of the Vince Russo era of WCW? I mean, I think the, I think I know where you're going, where you're going to say it's Vince Russo. Yes, I, I was going to say exactly that. That I think that here's how I look at, at Vince Russo WCW. Vince Russo WCW is not a wrestling show, which is the problem because it's all taking place on a wrestling show. And like the main things that happen are still wrestling, but it's not a wrestling show. It's a serious drama about Vince Russo, a man who writes a wrestling show, and then suddenly the wrestling show becomes real around him. I'm saying the WCW Vince Russo era is a story about a fake thing being real, and what is reality and unreality then? I mean, I would watch that show. But Vince Russo was too fucking insane and terrible and trying to do this on an actual wrestling show so it doesn't work. I think I think probably the last real point I'm going to make here... I'm not going to defend his TNA run. Because that was just fucking doomed from the start. I love me some impact, but I'm not going to defend sports entertainment extreme. But come on, what about Total Nonstop Action? It's such a great name. You know what? For the year 2002, it is. That's the Shut most fucking... Mouth. Am I wrong? I hate it. I mean, you're not wrong because I would have been way into it, but I was also 14! And, let's face it, wrestling is a show for 14-year-olds. Fuck! It is. I know. Unless you're WWE, which is a show for 50-year-olds. 50 going on 14. Um, but yeah, like, you you mentioned earlier, and I, you mentioned earlier that I have an opinion on Bash of the Beach 2000. Yep. Let's get right on into this. Oscar. This is Vince Russo's magnum opus. How in the fuck are you going to justify this one? There is a storyline here that could have that could have genuinely been regarded as one of the best stories in wrestling. And yet it's still got all of the fucking hallmarks of the dumb bullshit. Like, say, for example, Vince Russo's weird obsession with people just laying down in the ring for each other. So, so John, I have a question for you then. Yeah. You're head booker of WCW. Yes. You want Hogan to not be the champion anymore because you want to focus on younger guys. Yeah. But Hogan has creative control. Hogan doesn't want to drop the belt. Hogan's going to Hogan. You fix this! I mean, it's a good question. What do you do? Other than say, hey, Hogan, don't you got a movie you could go film? Are you, like, trying to be president or some shit? But, so I think what Vince Russo did, the storyline he came up with, I'm saying you jingled your keys in front of Hogan, and he he looks at the keys, and he looks at the keys and he yells, Why do they look like a black person? (laughs) 
But my my point is though is that, and then he talks about how he doesn't want them to date his daughter unless they're very rich. <laughs> my point is is that the storyline Vince Russo came up with, the fact that he managed to juggle all these creative control balls in WCW, and still come up with a way that. Gets the belt off Hogan and makes two young stars in a night. And yet he did it so well that he actually got Hogan to quit. It's not his fault that Hogan's a baby. Because like, do you know how you know how the angle is supposed to play out, right? I, I do, but tell the audience in case so, they don't remember. So we are talking about a thing that is going to be 20 years old next year. So at Bash at the Beach 2000... Hollywood Hogan is fighting WCW champion Jeff Jarrett for... Was he Hollywood? He went back to Hollywood. Right, right. Um, Yeah, he ended as Hollywood. So, Hollywood Hogan's going to fight Jeff Jarrett for the WCW... Jeff Jarrett's champion is going to fight him for the WCW championship. Hogan... and, And I think this has played off really well as well with the fact that... Rather than I think I think when W when WWE right now does the whole is this a shoot where they're refusing to come out thing, they make it so obvious that it is not a shoot. They make it so obvious that no, this is scripted. And the fact here that you have Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, Mark Madden, Hogan's music's playing, he's not coming out, and you and they're like they have this genuine air of like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And they're trying to cover for time as if like Hogan's legit no showing this. Yeah. And this is all a work. This whole thing is a work, which I did not realize this entire thing was a work. It is expertly done. Like it's the the perfect kind of work shoot where you actually like believe that this is really happening. And yeah, so you get Hogan to come out and Vince Russo comes out, Jarrett, and he's just like, Jarrett, just lay down for him, and Hogan lays down, does his whole thing about shit like, bullshit like this is why this company's in the state it's in, and he leaves, and then Russo cuts this promo, basically reading the fuck out of Hulk Hogan. It's just like, Hogan, you're a bald son of a bitch, you're from the past, and just all, like, again... It's a great promo. It absolutely eviscerates Hogan. But the thing I don't understand is what was the fucking endgame supposed to be? You eviscerate Hogan and then what? So the endgame here is basically Jeff Jarrett wins the title back eventually. And then Hogan comes back for Starcade, and they do champion versus champion Hogan Jarrett as the main event of Starcade. That's your endgame. All right. I mean... It's an elaborate end game, but sure. If that had, if, but but if that had happened, if that had happened, it's like everybody kind of gets what they want, and you have a really great feud building to the main event of your biggest pay per view. Vince Russo, say what you will about him, was good at booking moments from WrestleMania to WrestleMania. It's it's definitely some foresight that I didn't expect, like some some forward thinking that I, I wouldn't expect out of him. But, boy, sure fucked that up. I, 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 but it's, you can't blame him for the fuck up on that. It's 100% Hogan. 
Hogan just being like, oh, I don't like being, I don't like people saying I'm bald. Yeah, but you also can blame Rousseau for the fact that, like, dude, you really thought you were going to pull this off on Hogan? Hogan always wins, brother. Sure, but I, again, I feel like Hogan comes across way worse than Russo in this. Well, yeah, because I'm I'm going to throw this out here. Like, maybe this is a hot take, but probably not. Hogan is the second worst thing to happen to professional wrestling. What's number one? I think you know who. Is it Vince McMahon? It sure is, Daddy. I mean... There's a cup. There's two other things I want to cite as testament to the genius of Vince Russo, and that is Survivor Series 1998, the Deadly Game. Oh boy! I take it you disagree with me. I I I don't even know where you're going with this one. I think it's one of the most. I think it's the best tournament WWF has ever done. All right. That, like, yeah, sure, a lot of the matches are short, but a lot of the matches are logically short. There are fantastic swerves in this show. The rock swerve at the end is the only time the Montreal Screwjob has ever been properly replicated in a good way. Well, actually, I don't know. I mean, remember when they had Natalia do it to Charlotte? Or Charlotte do it to Natalia or something? Bret Hart was there. I think that was Bret Hart's last appearance with WWE. I think it was, yeah. Until he was in, until he was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Well, you know what they say. Four out of ten. But but I mean, you made we got two stars from that main event. Like, yeah, that's the night that made the Rock. But yo, that's the night that made mankind. Like legit, the most over, like the most over baby face in WWF, and like you watch it again once you realize where once you realize the Rock Swerve is going to happen, it's expertly plotted out, and it's not a swerve from out of nowhere like the Rock Boss Man match where it's like, yo, why is Boss Man just letting the Rock win until you realize watching it again? It's like, shit, they had. This isn't just an out of nowhere heel turn. They had been plant they had been foreshadowing this the whole pay-per-view. In one single night, I think it is the best distillation of why Vince Russo is brilliant. I just something about the words Vince Russo and brilliant in the same sentence, they just literally just trigger something like visceral in me. John, I'm gonna read John, I'm going to raise two more points to you. Let's hear him, Oscar. You know the Brawl for All? Sure. Now, the Brawl for All is a piece of shit. He sure is. But you know why Russo made the Brawl for All? Why? Because JBL was talking shit about, like, I could beat up any wrestler here in a shoot fight. And then Russo's like, fucking prove it, Bradshaw. Was this all a way to just fuck JBL? It was all a way to just fuck JBL. I actually don't remember the a lot of the that fucking brawl for all. Did JBL get his ass beat? JBL did make it to the final, but he did get his ass beat. All right. But yo, turns out JBL was actually like not a bad fighter. It's the problem with these bullies is that a lot of them are actually good at not getting their ass kicked. But yo, Bart Gunn. Unless you're Joey Styles. 
Bart Gunn fucking knocked him the fuck out. It's true, he did. Whoops. Bart fucking Gunn, of all people. And the other point I'm going to make is, you know, if you agree with me that Vince Russo's brilliant, you're going to piss off Jim Cornette. Oscar. John. I hate to say this. You might be right about Vince Russo. This is the ultimate swerve. This is the ultimate Christmas miracle. We're actually agreeing with Oscar because you know what? Fuck Cornette. And fuck JBL. Especially fuck JBL. All right. I, I don't, I still don't know how to feel about all of this. I don't know how to feel about the fact that I'm, that I, I'm agreeing with you that Vince Russo is actually good. I, you know, I do know how to feel about it. I'm saying it despite Jim Cornette. So, you know, it, it, it all wins. We all win. Spite is the most powerful tool of all. But I mean, especially for the holidays. Yo, Vince Russo gets a way worse rep than he deserves. I guess so. Oscar, this is we did it. We, now we have to let now we have to kill this podcast again. It's been so long I forgot how to end an episode of Takes Bakery. What's the Twitter for this ba- bad podcast? You can follow this show on Twitter at Bone Dracula, an account it's a good I no, Twitter. An account I no longer use because oh, the show's man. dead. Well, why would I use it? The show's dead. Go look at at the heel turn. That's, that's the pro wrestling dot cool podcast Twitter. Owen and I post dumb shit on it sometimes, but not often enough. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Osong the Great, Instagram at Osong the Great, twitch.tv slash Osong the Great. I might still be streaming some Sonic 06 by the time this comes up. Hell yeah! <laughs> that tornado's carrying a car, motherfuckers! Hey, John, I have, a, I have a Sonic 06 lore question for you. Let's do it. This is the perfect place for a Sonic 06 lore question. Does the radical train go to the radical highway? No, the radical train is how the radicals got from WCW to WWE. Yo, was it was it Eric Bischoff setting all the bombs? It is absolutely Eric Bischoff setting all the bombs. That's why you got to save Chris Benoit so that he can get there safely. It's so that he can. So Chris Benoit's in danger. It's up to you to make sure that his head it is okay from these bombs. <laughs> The tray's just full of bow flexes. <laughs> it's full of his, it's full of his research against Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> if you like this horrible shit that we're doing here, don't forget to check us out at ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool; it's dot cool. <laughs> And if you want to support this horrible nonsense, why don't you give us money over at Patreon.cool? For just $5, you get, like, some exclusive podcasts and stuff. Trace is going to talk about New Japan and how we're Phil scenes for not, like, knowing every match on Wrestle Kingdom card soon. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. I mean, it's definitely going to happen. He's definitely doing it with Owen. True. I don't know. That's, that's our website. Give us money. John, if we want to give you money, where can we do that? I was about to say, it was taking you a while to get there. (laughs) 
Well, if you want to give me money, Oscar, it turns out you can go to Venmo at I am John. It's Christmas. Give me a Christmas miracle. <laughs> give me money to my Venmo. <laughs> Otherwise, you can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Twitter at I am John GM, Instagram at I am John GM, Twitch at video underscore shames. And I don't know. I might, I'm thinking about maybe getting a mixer. It seems like that's what everybody's doing nowadays. You can join Ninja. Yeah, exactly. I can I can sing with it on television. <laughs> Oscar. John. It's time to kill this podcast again. And w- thankfully, we're not going to have to say the N-word for you to do it. So. I feel like this podcast is just going to keep coming back. Every so often. I mean, hey, what's, like, what is undead cannot be, like, really killed? This podcast say. is like The Undertaker when Mohammed bin Salman comes, comes dropping the door. It's, we, we all put the podcast in the casket, and then in, on the screen, we saw a, a ghost podcast fly out of the casket, and he was all like, I'll be back soon, fuckers. It's terrible. This is just terrible. That's how we ended it. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you on Wednesday with an episode that is not this. Y'all come back now, you hear? Roll the dice. Play your cards. Break the rules. That's, that's who you are. Whoever said play it safe. Never play the game So many players Too many pawns Too many judges say it's right or wrong Let them jump into the fire If they want to This podcast was brought to you by the Zonecast Network, executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 